CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast. It's another edition of Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash, CPA and CFP with Donald W. Cash and Associates here with me once again to talk about investing, finance, and retirement. We are silently into the fourth quarter of the year. Kind of hard to believe, actually. It's earnings season on Wall Street, and many are starting to ramp up year-end planning, which is even harder to believe. But I, I don't know. I kind of still feel like it's the end of the summer. We've had some decent weather here. So what's going on, Don? How you doing, my friend? What's new since the last podcast? Yeah, you know what? It, it is hard to believe that we're in the last quarter of the year. Just actually got uh, through a bit of a warm spell here, too. Yeah. Last Friday was like... I would think likely the last Indian summer day of the year, although you never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and daughter and and I took a ride to the beach to walk along the boardwalk and the surf and get our feet wet for the last time of the year and bike ride through the town. So fortunately, we live pretty close to the beach. We can scoot over there and do that. And It's funny, on the last show, we talked about finances in the 1980s compared to now, right? Right. Uh, here in, in New Jersey, at least, I'm sure it's the same everywhere, uh, there's been incredible changes in just about all the beach communities in terms of the landscape and the construction compared to the 1980s when I was younger. Uh-huh. Uh, in the 1980s, many of these towns were filled with bungalows and burger and pizza joints and bars on the beachfront road. Right. And those have been like, pretty much all torn down over the years and replaced by these multi-million dollar <laughs> homes. They figure this is a better use of this land than selling a slice of pizza yeah, and I don't know a about Coke that. and a beer. Yeah. But um, it seems like all of those of us who are younger in the 70s and 80s are kind of back in those same towns as more affluent baby boomers and, and want those uh, ocean views with a little bit of, of luxury on the veranda instead of being at a at a, a dirty old beach bar. I think there's a lot of people I noticed there in their 60s and 70s with adult kids and, and grandkids. And uh, because of that, you know, the other thing we have at the beach in the fall and the winter that we didn't have back in the 80s, Mark, is mm. lots of traffic. <laughs> Man, there's traffic everywhere all the time now, too. Yeah. It's just crazy. You know, especially, it's, it's funny when we think about how strange it was during the pandemic or during at least the beginning days of it, right? With some of the earlier lockdowns, my wife and I would be outside and be like, you know, we're not hearing jets, you know, just just like a lot of noise pollution that like you could really hear the birds and stuff. It's like, that's kind of nice, you know, kind of miss that a little bit. And then of course, as we get, you know, moving and, and going again, you got, you know, car horns and everything else going on all the time. So yeah, traffic is always fun. But, uh, you know, today we are going to talk about important ages. So, you know, whether you're, you know, 60 or 70 or whatever the case might be, numbers, issues in retirement planning and, and what they might mean to you and your family. And many of us know about the ages we hear all the time, Don, you know, 59 and a half for the IRAs or 65 for Medicare. But there's some other numbers that people aren't familiar with or perhaps need a refresher on. So understand that these can save a lot of stress and aggravation, not to mention some time and money for you and your family. So I counted 10 key ages in the show notes, Don. I was surprised that there were that many, actually. Yeah, you know, it's more than you think. And hopefully as we go through this, this this, um, show will be more of an evergreen show, Mark, right? You know, it's something that people can listen to 
whether it's a month from now or a year from now, provided they don't make any changes in tax rules. Well, that's true. Could, yeah. Which they could, and you know, it looks like that might be on the horizon. But uh, it's funny, we were talking about that 59 and a half age uh, as being a key age, and that last week's show, in the middle of the show, was the 59 and a half show. Right? Wow, that's true, this is, yeah. Yeah, last week's show was our 60th show, so... Uh, we're we're getting through some uh, key ages with our shows as well. Well, this so maybe, actually, this is our sixtieth show. Yeah. So the last oh, show was fifty nine. Yeah. So half, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this is. So I guess um, you know as we move along, once we hit a hundred, we'll have a, maybe a nice little celebration. What do you think about that? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I like that. But, uh, let's start with age. Yeah, I was going to say let's kick it off with fifty because I kind of call this since you mentioned summer uh, and we were talking about that. I kind of call fifty like the unofficial kickoff to retirement thought process, just like Memorial Day is the unofficial kickoff to summer, even though it's not technically summer, right? Absolutely true. So once someone hits 50, there's certain key ages in terms of uh, rules and regulations there, but it definitely gets people thinking more seriously about their planning, right? Whether it's life insurance or how many years till retirement, long-term care coverage, um, where they are with projections. It could be a stressful point because a lot of people have kids in college and they think they're behind and there's um, you know, certainly a, a lot of trepidation about not being ready. But you're right. You start moving into that, that decade where there's a, a, a lot more thinking seriously about retirement. But at age 50, there's at that particular age, there are what they call catch-up provisions, Mark, in IRAs and 401ks that allow people to stash more money into their IRA or 401k. And I guess the thinking is, boy, if you're um, behind here, it's time to start pushing through (laughs) to get to that point where you have enough money in those accounts uh, for when you do retire. So at age 50, you can put an additional $1,000 in your IRA for a maximum of $7,000 for the Roth or the traditional IRA. And an additional $6,500 in the 401k for a total 401k contribution of $26,000. There's also a, what they call a simple IRA out there that you can catch up $3,000 on. But I don't, I don't really see too many of those. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's not, people sometimes go to look at that and they go, well, you know, how much is that going to help you to catch up? But you know, it adds up. I mean, if you think 10 or 15 years out, if you're 50 and you go to 65, let's say, then that can, you know, that's a sizable chunk of money. So uh, with the IRA, for example, if I'm age 52 and meet those income requirements, so I can contribute 7000 to my traditional as well as 7000 to the Roth, or how's that work? Yeah, that's a great question. I get that one a lot, Mark. Here's the rule. You can contribute a total of $7,000 ah, okay. combined, not each. So you can contribute, for example, $4,000 to the traditional IRA mm-hmm. and get a tax deduction, and 3000 to the Roth IRA, no tax deduction going in. The deadline for that 2021 tax year contribution is next April 15th of 2022. And many people make these contributions, Mark, in March or, or that thereabouts when they know what their adjusted gross income is for the prior year and just to be sure that they qualify and know where they stand with their income. Okay. Uh, how about the issue of the exceeding 26000 in the 401k contribution? Many people have their 401k contributions automatically pulled from their paycheck. So 
if their income is higher than expected or they get a bonus or something like that, they could potentially go over that twenty six grand limit. Do they have to pull money back? What's the deal there? The bottom line is you don't have to give the money back, uh, but I do see this happening, and it's happening uh, you know, more frequently. But here's the, the point. There's a great planning opportunity there. You see, the only the $26,000 per year is a reduction of your pay for tax purposes, not the excess. Of course, your employer can match more than that. Um, so they can match actually up to a total contribution of $58,000, but you can't go over $26,000 in your uh, salary deferrals. But here's a planning opportunity, Mark. When you leave the company and roll over the 401k to your own IRA, you can roll over the after-tax money directly into a tax-free Roth IRA. Oh, okay. So let's say you have $500,000, just as an example, in mm-hmm. the 401k, and 50000 of that is after-tax money for that scenario you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. You can roll over the $450,000 into a traditional IRA, and the $50,000 of, of that money that's uh, after-tax into the Roth IRA, and you never pay taxes on the $50,000 or the growth. And unfortunately, many people make the mistake, Mark, of rolling over the entire $500,000 into a traditional IRA. So think of it like mixing the cream in your coffee. If you keep them separate, when you separate from service, it's a great move. And I have clients who have done this and they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in their Roth IRA because they they did this move when they separated from service. Nice. I mean, that's, yeah, that's great advice indeed. Not only for clients in their 50s, but perhaps older people with kids in their 30s or 40s, you know, share that information, right? Uh, what about some other ages? So we started with 50. So let's move up to the next one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess this is 55. Yeah, 55. Yeah, that's that's the age. And you don't hear too much about 55. Age 55 is a kind of a little known age where a person can take money out of a 401k and avoid the 10% penalty. There's rules around it. The IRS rule of 55 allows an employee who's, let's say, laid off or fired or quits a job between 55 and 59 and a half to take money from their 401k or 403b without the 10% penalty for early withdrawal. So we saw some of that last year, Mark, right? Like when COVID hit sure, and people had that 401k money and they were over 55 and they fell into this this rule within that four-year period where they could avert that 10% penalty. But another less publicized exemption uh, exempts uh, certain public safety officials like policemen, firemen, EMS workers who separate from service at age 50 or older from that 10% penalty. So for the public service workers, it's five years younger to avoid that 10%. And of course, when it comes to the 10% early withdrawal penalty, of course, the age 59 and a half is the key age for most people. At this point, you only pay income taxes on the money taken from a traditional IRA, not any 10% early penalty withdrawal. It also applies for earnings on non-IRA annuities. That starts what I call, Mark, the golden age of retirement planning, where there's a lot more planning flexibility. So from that age until age 72, taking money from the IRA is totally 
up to the IRA owner. No penalties, no required distributions. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's good to know about the 55. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, and of course, 59 and a half, most of us are familiar with that. And it, and it used to have the 70 and a half, those goofy half things. And we've gotten rid of that mm-hmm. one. And, and I'm sure we're going to touch on that here a little bit later on. So basically, we're into our 60s. Uh, and it seems like there's a lot more age milestones and decisions to be made here. Fifties I mean, were kind of like ramping up right towards it. Now sixties, we you know definitely got to make sure we've got uh, the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Ah, now we get into the sixties, right? The turbulent sixties. There's always something about the sixties that it's exciting. <laughs> think about the 1960s, a lot of change, and when we move into our sixties, there's a lot of change. But I couldn't. I, I have to comment on that age fifty nine and a half and the seventy and a half, as you mentioned, Mark. Right. I don't know. Sometimes I think that they put these rules in the code just to mess with our heads, yeah. right? Why the half? Age, it's uh, it just it trips people up that fifty nine and a half. They it was probably some 50. senator's birthday, and they just wanted to, yeah. you know, or something. <laughs> Who knows? Or they were drinking too much, you know, and yeah, they right. wanted just to goof around with us. But for sure, uh, the sixties, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and a lot of these are related, of course, to Social Security and Medicare. At age sixty, there is a Social Security benefit for widows. However. There's a reduction in the benefit of about 28% compared to waiting until full retirement age to collect. So it gets complicated and it depends on when you were born. So if someone has a spouse that had passed away and they hit age 60, they can collect Social Security benefits at that age. The early collection uh, Social Security age many people are familiar with, Mark, is age 62. Right. Right. And it doesn't matter when you're born or the year you were born, I should say. The earliest you can collect on your own work record is age 62. And the year you were born does determine the early reduction percentage compared to your full retirement age, uh, which is between 66 and 67 for most people today. So, of course, if you wait until your full retirement age, you get more Social Security income. If you take the money and run early, you get a reduced amount. So depending upon when you were born, the reduction is 25 to 30% if you collect at age 62. That's hefty. Or, yeah, instead of your full retirement age. So a $2,500 a month benefit will only be $1,800 or so. If you pull it early. Yeah, yeah, if you do it early at 62. Mm -hmm. Which brings up an interesting uh, point. A lot of people who pull the trigger at 62, besides needing the money, of course, it's understandable. But a lot of people who do it early, they, they share with me, they just don't trust the government. Right, yeah. you've heard that. Oh yeah, I don't trust the government. I want to take the money. What if they change the benefits? What if they change the cost of living? What if they cut the benefits? Yeah, they and owe me. Sh- it's mine. You know, whatever. Yeah, right. So I always, you know, share with them this point: Would you rather have the benefits cut at twenty five hundred dollars a month or eighteen hundred dollars a month? True. <laughs> or the cost of living not go up as much at twenty five hundred dollars a month or eighteen hundred dollars a month? Uh, the bottom line is the money will be there. The government, of course, can always raise taxes and print money, and that's a really sensitive issue, cutting Social Security benefits. But the key number to know here, Mark, is 35, and that's the number of highest earning years the government uses to calculate your benefits. So 
when you get that social security statement in the mail or online, always look at your lifetime earnings just to make sure that there's no mistake. And I have a scene where the government makes mistakes in those earnings. <laughs> no. <for> those 35. <laughs> yes, they do. And you can get it corrected. You know, have it looked at and have it corrected. So there's also a reduction, by the way, Mark, for the spousal benefit if both husband and wife collect early and one spouse is receiving a spousal benefit. And that reduction could be 30 or 35% for the spouse. Mm. So when we do this social security analysis for clients to maximize their benefits, so they know when they may think it's the best time for them to collect, there could be over $100,000 in lifetime difference by making the wrong choice. Yeah, that's hefty. So, I mean, it's really important. And obviously this is a lot of data to kind of keep track of. And that's one of the kind of perks, I think, or the benefits of working with an advisor and a financial professional. And so, you know, if this starts to kind of get a little swimmy there, make sure you're reaching out and having a conversation with Don. Talk to him about Social Security strategy and, and all those things that kind of play into getting ready for retirement and the best scenario for yourself. Because he is a CPA and a CFP, a certified financial planner. You can call him at 800-664-1183 for a complimentary chat, 800-664-1183, or just stop by the website, donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. Anything else in the 60s? I know we mentioned you know, Medicare as well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely um, more things in the 60s. But just to add to what you mentioned, I think it's important if people have already have taken Social Security, Mark, mm -hmm. uh, if they have siblings or friends or even uh, adult children getting close to that age, they should maybe sure, make sure they share this information with them as well. Oh, indeed. Uh, Absolutely. Because so, you, you only know, get the, the one little piece, too. You only get the, the mulligan. You get the one year to redo it when you first turn it on. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's some caveats there. So you got to give the money back. And so, yeah. So if you haven't done it yet or you know someone who's thinking about it, definitely have them encourage them to have a conversation about their Social Security strategy before they fill all that stuff out. No doubt about it, right? I mean, they're always changing the rules and locking down alternatives that we can do with Social Security. Mm -hmm. So we've got to keep on top of this. But anything else for the 60s you mentioned, one more thing. If you wait until taking your Social Security benefit from, let's say, 66 or 67 to age 70, there's an additional 8% per year benefit. And many people overlook the spousal benefit here, Mark. So if one spouse passes away, the survivor gets the higher age 70 Social Security income indexed for life. So that's another thing people fail to appreciate. Unlike a company pension, that Social Security benefit is indexed for inflation. And the 2022 next year benefit increase for inflation is 5.9%, the largest increase in 40 years, Mark. Yeah, that knows hefty, right? Yeah, it's a big increase. So let's back up for a moment to age 65. Uh, of course, that's the age to apply for Medicare benefits. Like Social Security, you can start the application process for Medicare three months before your qualified age. In that case, it's 65. You know, we all think of 65 as this uh, number for retirement. Did that used to be the full retirement age and the Medicare? Did they used to be tied together to start at the same time? It was when uh, Social Security started back in 1935. That was the um, that was the full retirement age, and of course, the the thinking was the lifespan of someone at that point was age 63. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so never gonna make it, and uh, not a problem for the government. 
yeah, you had those few one-offs, right? That that they lived longer, great, whatever. And I've seen stuff like fourteen people paid in for every one person coming out, or forty people paid in, where now it's like two and a half for every one person. So right, and the withdrawal from your payroll was was minuscule until the nineteen sixties, when more and more people started collecting, and you know now it's over six percent of your a paycheck up to a uh, $148,000, I believe the number is, of payroll that you're going to be contributing to Social Security along with your employer. So it used to be 65 for both Medicare and Social Security, and, and they worked in tandem, right? Uh, that ended about 20 years ago. However, you know, many people still continue to work past age 65 and have employer health coverage that's better and less expensive than Medicare. In that case, you can defer applying for Medicare until after you retire. So depending upon how large your employer is, you still may have to apply at 65, but there are many people who work for big companies that don't apply for Medicare at 65. They just stick with their employer plan at that point. But if you do take Medicare at age 65, you need to apply for what's called Medicare Part B. And anyone who's done this is familiar with this. Cost about $148 a month this year. It's going up to $158 next year, Mark, for 2022 per month. Part of that increase. Yep. So um, that's the the downside of inflation, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Original Medicare has two parts, Part A and Part B. Part B covers things like doctor visits, preventative care, emergencies, outpatient costs like physical therapy. Medicare Part A covers hospital stays and skilled nursing care, hospice, that sort of thing, some home health care. Part A is free, and Part B, you pay that $148 premium. In addition, and people are finding this out now, and they're getting their letters from the government very soon on this, if you earn too much, you pay a Medicare surcharge. It's called an income-related Medicare adjustment. And it starts at $88,000 for individuals and $176,000 for couples. And that surcharge is tacked on top of the $148 a month. So if you get this, you'll be getting your letter probably over the next few weeks indicating that your 2022 Medicare deduction will be whatever it is. And Mark, the penalties can be pretty steep. Uh, for a high-income earner, it can go over $500 a month Ouch. per person. Man, that is steep. What, so this is an addition to the Medicare supplement premiums? That's right. So, of course, you know, you're paying your supplement, and you, there's Part D um, prescription drug plans now. Right. So for a couple, it could be well over $1,000 a month in Medicare and supplement premiums. And, I, I you know, I think that as we discuss that. We'll save that for another show, Mark. Right now, it's Medicare open enrollment season from October 15th to December 7th. So I'd like to do a show on um, the ABCs of Medicare. That's a good idea because that's going to be a lot of information there and we don't have to overload this one too much. So we'll definitely do that. Good idea. So let's move into the 70s then. What are some things as we get into this point? Okay. So related to Social Security, the one that comes up is this age 70. Right, that's the longest you can wait until you're collecting benefits. As I mentioned earlier, there's an eight percent per year bonus each year if you wait from age, let's say, sixty-six or seventy, or sixty-six or sixty-seven to age seventy. So if you include the annual inflation increase, a benefit of let's say three thousand dollars a month 
could be a benefit of $4,000 a month at age 70. So nothing to um, really dismiss, right? It's an extra $1,000 a month, potentially. The next key age use, it used to be age 70 and a half, right? We all remember that. That was the age that you need to take your first distribution from the IRA or the 401k. Unless you're still working, Mark, a lot of people don't realize that if you're still working after age 72 for a company, you do not have to take money out of your 401k. You can just let it defer until you retire. So it's a good little nugget to know, unless you're a more than 5% owner of the company, that doesn't apply. But there was a change a couple of years ago that bumped that age to 72. That's why it used to be 70 and a half, now it's age 72. Currently, once you reach that magic age of 72, 72, you must, and that's must, take money out of your plan and pay taxes on the money taken out. And here's the reason, Mark, you've put off paying taxes, income taxes, and all that money, the contributions and the matches and all of the gains for perhaps decades and decades, and now the IRS wants their share. So technically your first required distribution is April 1st following the year you turn 72. And it comes to a little under 4% of whatever your prior year balance was. So unfortunately, you want the money for your family and yourself, and they want the money, that's the government, to pay for all of these programs. And now we have stimulus and infrastructure. We talked about that last time. And this is why we look at moving the money from the traditional IRA that's taxable to the Roth IRA that's not taxable, not taxable for you, your spouse, if you're married, or your heirs when you leave the money to the next generation. In addition, there's no required distribution at all on this money at age 72. Yeah. You know, this is the traditional thing we think of. We put money in these things for decades. We started the IRA way back when with the 401k. We never touch it. We've only taken the money out maybe when we needed it or something. So, you know, you have to kind of do this. And Don, if you don't take that money out, if you don't do those RMDs at 72, it's a little steep, isn't it? Yeah, Mark, this is where it gets nuts, okay? (laughs) This is where the IRS is serious. They want their tax money. If you don't take out your required distribution, there's a 50% penalty, 5-0, 50% penalty. So if your IRA has grown and you've saved nicely and maybe you rolled over a few 401ks to your IRA and contributed and now there's a million dollars and you should have taken $40,000 out as a distribution, the penalty is $20,000. And that's on top of the income tax that you owe. Yeah, that's like, ouch, 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 ouch. Very punitive, very punitive indeed. Ouch, ouch, big time, for sure. I mean, it is punitive. As they say, though, Mark, on the infomercials, wait, there's more. (laughs) Great. (laughs) The complexity really starts when you leave your IRA to the next generation. There's 
all kinds of landmines and rules to follow. I received a phone call from a client last week. It's in process of inheriting his brother's IRA as the only beneficiary. The brother didn't have children. Right. I wasn't married. Mark, remember last time we did a show a few months ago on the types of beneficiary classes? Mm -hmm. um, and there are what's called eligible designated beneficiaries and non-eligible designated beneficiaries. Okay. So it turns out this gentleman's close in age to his brother, and they're over age 72, and he qualifies as an eligible designated beneficiary. So his inherited IRA distribution rule is different than someone, let's say, who's a child that inherits the IRA. He must, the brother now, must take out a required minimum distribution based on his life expectancy. Now, he was told that he could keep the money in his IRA for 10 years before touching it and paying taxes. That's wrong for him. It is correct for an eligible or a non-eligible designated beneficiary, but not for him. So if he did this, there could be a 50% penalty every year for many years, plus the income taxes. Essentially, it could just wipe out his entire IRA. Yeah, that's crazy. That is nuts. So there's so much information in this, Don, because they did change the rules with the SECURE Act, and they moved some things around. You're talking about the removal of the stretch IRA there. So I counted up 10 key ages, three really key numbers in this review, and there are nuances and rules for each age. So at the end of the day, folks, we try to keep these short. This one a little bit long this week, but there's a million things to watch out for in retirement. There really is, and they're always moving the goalposts, so to speak, with these little different things. So definitely do yourself and your retirement a favor. Make sure you're talking with a qualified professional like Don. Reach out to him if you've got some questions regarding your IRAs or 401ks or Roths or you know what to do about catch-up contributions, so on and so forth here on Your Money and Your Life, give Don a jingle or reach out to him on the website at donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. You can have a conversation over the phone or do a, a Zoom or virtual meeting. Uh, and usually all that stuff is complimentary, but you have to reach out and take the action. So give Don a jingle, 800-664-1183 if you'd like to do so. Or again, stop by the website at donaldcash.com. Com. Don, thanks for hanging out with me and talking through a lot of this stuff. Lots of stuff to digest for sure. So definitely go back through, folks, if you want to listen to it again or pick up some parts that you might have been a little confused on. And by doing so, you can subscribe on the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever the case is. And Don and I'll be back in a couple of weeks with more good tidbits to talk about. All right, Mark, be well. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it as always. And we will see you next time here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. We were trying to bring you some good, useful nuggets of information about retirement here on the show. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.